What the visionary pyramid tells us is that these are the different types of decisions that need to be made. But more importantly, it also tells us what kind of resources we're going to need and what kind of people we're going to need to be making those decisions for the business. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Visionary CEO Podcast. My name is Jill Giovanazzo. I am the co-host and co-founder of the Visionary CEO Academy. And with me, as usual, we have my partner in crime, in the business, in life, Brianne Dick. So is it crime, business, or life? Of those three, which is the most important? (laughs) I feel like this is a trick question. Yeah, we probably want to just skip past that and and continue on. (laughs) Uh, It is most importantly here, the sun is shining, the skies are blue. It's a great day to record a podcast. It is a great day. On our last episode of the Visionary CEO podcast, we were talking about how you can attract talent to your business by putting your values forward. Yeah. And this week, we really want to go a little deeper into that that idea because it's one thing to get the right people onto your team. But as we've seen so many times with our clients and just in general, it doesn't matter if you have the right people, if you don't create the right environment and you don't create the right situation for them to really be able to thrive. And so we're actually going to be taking you way back to a concept we introduced in season one. And we're going to talk about the idea of the visionary pyramid and how the visionary pyramid is the core way that you can empower your team while allowing you as the business owner to make sure you're focused on the right things. I want to just point something out here. We've been following this flow through the cultural aspects of business. But one of the critical things here is that when we're talking about hiring, the piece that we're talking about today actually comes before finding the talent in actuality, Mm. right? When we're looking at, as you were saying, what do we do with this person in the business? We need to know what that is first before we go out and hire. And this is something I I find happens quite frequently for people as they go, I need to hire, they go out and find someone and then they try and fit them into the business. Yeah, so really it's like taking that more strategic view on things so that you're not reacting, but you can be proactive and really be setting yourself and your business up as well so that you can be responding to the things that are happening in the market, in your audience, in the world. And and not just that, but also being able to set yourself up to respond to growth. Because that's another thing that I see quite often for our clients coming in is they hire for where they're at now. But when they're doing that, they're backing themselves into a corner that when they try and go to the next level, the team isn't set up. The roles aren't set up to support them in that next level. And so they end up having to throw everything out Mm -hmm. and try again. Yeah. So let's, before we talk about how do you build a team that's going to function according to this pyramid, it's probably worthwhile to just do a, a recap of the concept of the pyramid and what the structure is and all of that kind of thing. But essentially the way that we think about the visionary pyramid is if you imagine a pyramid or a triangle, if you will, um, or if you 
have your podcast op open and you're looking at the cover art for the episode, you'll see the little triangle on that, uh, you know, our logo. And it's the idea is that within your business, there are a whole bunch of different kinds of decisions that need to be made at any given time. You have everything from the big picture vision questions of where are we going and why are we going there all the way down to the details of and how are we going to do this, right? How are we going to get this done? How are we going to say this particular thing? How are we going to deliver this particular project? All of those decisions have to be made in every business. But there's a different frequency <laughs> with which you make those decisions, right? You make day-to-day decisions about how to do things all the time. Everyone on your team does. How is the most common question that you answer? The next is what should we be accomplishing? What does success look like? What are our plans? What are our goals? That's kind of the next level of decision. You don't want to be changing the what every single day. You know, maybe on a weekly or monthly basis, you want to be saying, what is the goal? What are the plans? That sort of thing. And then the next question that you want to ask is, when are we going to do this, right? When are we going to implement this part of the strategy? When are we going to prioritize this over that? And that's the point of like quarterly planning and that sort of thing. And then finally, as I said, we get to the where and the why questions, the big picture vision questions. And you really don't want to be changing that all that often, right? You don't want to be changing the whole purpose behind your business every day. That's more like the legacy level. And so what the visionary pyramid tells us is that these are the different types of decisions that need to be made. But more importantly, it also tells us what kind of resources we're going to need and what kind of people we're going to need to be making those decisions for the business. It ends up breaking down really nicely in that the day-to-day execution tactical questions, the how questions that happen regularly are the ones basically that we're going to end up wanting to hire in for first, right? These are what we call our helpers and our implementers. The reason that it is nice to split it out this way is typically speaking, again, going back to what we commonly see with our clients in our audience, in the industry in general, is that people bring in an individual, and they just give a whole bunch of directions. They give a whole bunch of go do this, go do that, go do this. It's our favorite D word, delegation. And what you're doing then is you're not actually giving over the decisions, number one. And number two, if you ever actually get around to giving over the decisions, we often end up seeing that the decisions that are handed over run the gambit from what to how to when, and it becomes a mess. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like having a tangle of spaghetti or Brienne takes off her necklace and she gets it tangled all the time and I have to come (laughs) in and undo it. It's all the knots in the necklace because exactly as you said, you're mushing all of these different types of decisions together. So for many of our clients, when we show them the visionary pyramid, this is the first time that they've been really been challenged to look at organizing their business in a way that doesn't fit inside this traditional kind of top-down organizational chart that we see in many industries and many different businesses. And I'm actually going to take this over to one of our guests, Rachel Luna, who's an international speaker and master certified coach. And she helps clients take consistent action. But more importantly here, she tells us about her own bias for action and how that was holding her business back until she started thinking differently about the role she needed to play in her own company. The most impactful for me is that just the way that I come in and start my day 
my whole thought process is different. I no longer want to even think about being the helper or the implementer, which is at the, you know, the bottom of their pyramid. No, I'm coming in. I am at the top. I'm the visionary and making sure that I am not putting myself in the weeds, making sure that I remind myself how important it is to take the time to communicate. I'm a former Marine, right? So we would call it the commander's intent. So taking the time to develop my commander's intent and then communicate that down the chain has been a game changer because I have a team and I have support. And for so long, I was saying I'm not supported. Well, I wasn't giving them a chance to support me because I wanted to be in everything and I don't belong at the base of the pyramid. I'm not going to say the bottom. I think that sometimes we don't pay attention to the nuance of our words, but they matter. Words do matter. So it's not who's at the bottom of the pyramid. It's who's at the base and who's at the base of the pyramid matters more than anything because the base is what holds it all up. And if you don't have a solid base, if you don't have great A players at that base on that HI level, Then me at the top, I'm unstable and I'm wobbly. But I do have to remember that at the end of the day, I am at the top. And so taking care of my base is really important. I love that because, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about, and you alluded to this as well, Jill, when you said so many of our clients, this is the first time that they're being challenged to think about their team in a way that isn't about hierarchy. But the reason that we frame the visionary pyramid the way we do as being about the decisions and the types of decisions and the frequency with which those decisions are made is because it's not about a strict hierarchy. It's about, as Rachel is saying, about having a solid base and making sure that communication is flowing through those different levels. Yeah, exactly. And how many of you out there as entrepreneurs yourself or as um individuals working as a solopreneur, right? How many of you have wanted to take that step back and not have to be in the weeds and doing those day-to-day decisions? Because those are the what take up the most time, the most space, the most energy. And being able to take that step back and give yourself the freedom to then breathe and have the space to think about the other questions, the what's, the when's, the why's, and the where's mm-hmm. is so key but you can't do that unless as rachel was saying you have that good foundational base that team to support yeah the how question decisions i remember one of our clients talking about the the switch that she experienced and and she said it went from feeling like i had to support the business and carry it on my back to now my business supports me because i've got this foundation i've got this base i've got this group of people who are there and yes I need to take care of my base. I need to make sure that foundation is strong. But in the same way, they're there to support me and help lift me up and help me be able to focus on the things where I'm better suited, just like I'm freeing them up to focus on the things that they're better suited to. Yeah, exactly. And just to counterpoint this, right? Take so many experts out there would give you this idea or would say to start at the top and Mm -hmm. work your way down the individual roles. You see this in and big like startups all the time. Where it's like, you need to hire time. your you need to hire your VP sales and you need to hire a VP marketing and you need to hire like your C-suite. It's a huge thing in the startup world and I've started to see it show up 
in the online business world with fractional COOs and fractional CMOs and all of these mm-hmm. C-suite titles. Uh, titles. Shall I get my soapbox <laughs> about titles? And, and in this case, title inflation. Like, right. Ugh. It's because you give someone a job which has a fancy title, but you're still getting them to do day-to-day tasks and how level decisions. Yeah. It just, it boggles my brain because the decision-making, the amount of decision-making, the proportion of time that these C-suite individuals are spending on non-C-suite level tasks and decisions and thinking is mm-hmm. immense. There's a reason why we say you're probably going to get to 3 million, 5 million, 8 million, 10 million before you actually need a C-suite. Because until that point, the number of decisions being made, the proportion, as you said, of decisions being made at the top of the visionary pyramid, they're so small compared to the day-to-day decisions. And that's why I see actually more commonly people go the other direction where they're like, I'm just going to outsource all of the day-to-day, all of the how going to give this piece to this person, this piece to this person, this piece to this person, this piece to this person. And the problem is that doesn't help either. No, you end up spending all your time in the middle being, as one of our other clients put it, an air traffic controller, Mm -hmm. trying to connect all the pieces together. You're still ending up making the how decisions in a lot of cases because you're the one that's, again, back to delegating tasks. Mm -hmm. Even when you bring on someone as a contractor to be a strategist, you still have to give them a lot of additional how question answers, (laughs) how, how answers, right? For them to be able to do their job. Mm -hmm. And bonus points if you can try and maximize your profits by relying on low-wage temporary or offshore workers. Because contractors, right, can get really pricey in that way. And that's the thing, right, is it's like this lowest common denominator thinking where it's let's just give this stuff out cheap, let's farm the labor out, let's outsource this or that. And what happens so often is that in this approach, you're not even letting them make how decisions. You're deciding how, and essentially at that point, all you've got is an extra pair of hands, which don't get me wrong, sometimes you need extra hands, but an extra pair of hands isn't the thing that actually strengthens the base of your pyramid and gives you that support that's going to let you feel like the business is supporting you. And not just let you feel, but allow you to promote yourself up the visionary pyramid. If you're still having to drive everything forward, you can't let the business lift you, right? Yeah. And it's it's just one of those things that even at that, the other piece that comes involved here is like diversity of background and skills and approaches. You don't get that same kind of thing when you have this kind of top-down thinking. I was listening to uh, an audio book or podcast or something the other day, and I, I can't remember who it was, but they made the comment of if you are surrounding yourself, and this was specifically in a business context, if you're surrounding with yourself with people that think like you, then you actually haven't grown the capacity of your business to do bigger and better things at all. There's a reason that the research shows that companies that build a culture based on inclusion, not just diversity, but actually building inclusion and having these different backgrounds. As you said, it could be a cultural background. It could be a life experience background. It could be just a different skill background. You're getting in a point when you do that, you're actually bringing in diverse viewpoints. And the research shows that those businesses outperform at a, oh, yeah. a huge margin. Yeah, by far. But, but the challenge there is that if you're going to give people these decision-making powers, if you're going to give them the authority to make these decisions, 
the the thing is you have to treat them like people right and you can't just look at them as cheap labor or as a pair of hands or as a way to get stuff done and i loved the way that patrice perkins talked about this because this is something that she really has wrestled with through the pandemic. You know, she's a a legal rebel. She describes herself as an advocate (laughs) for independent creators. But when the pandemic really was raging at its height, what she realized is that she needed the flexibility that giving ownership to her team through the visionary pyramid would allow for at at really a whole new level. One of the biggest questions or um, challenges as um, the business owner in this climate still um, of the pandemic is how you balance being a leader for your team through a climate that might require a little more sensitivity and a special touch that maybe had not been um, required previously. And so how, what are ways that business owners are shifting and addressing, really addressing um we have these 12 week plans and we have all of this, but we have team members that might really be experiencing um, some personal issues um, that are different than what they have experienced in the past. So how do you balance that with still be keeping the business going? What I can say is what this period has taught me is to listen more, to listen more to the needs of my staff and listen differently in a way that I had before. I think before I might have listened with a hint of, but I might already have the answer here. Now it's listening as if what they're sharing with me is completely new and listening with really fresh ears without feeling the need to have the answer on the spot or even have the answer at all, just listening. That's key as a leader, as as a person, but more importantly, not just that, but this idea, I I love the fact that she mentioned here how it changed for her where before she might've been listening with this hint that she might already have the answer. Mm -hmm. And now it's shifted to, it could be completely new or fresh ears, or, you know, maybe I don't even have the answer at all and that's okay. And how many times do you listen to someone or you're in conversation with someone But what's going on inside your head is actually you're spending more time thinking about how you're going to respond than you are actually listening. And you can't do both at the same time. That is so important to having a team that actually does communicate, right? That's something that Rachel talked about is the idea of commander's intent and being able to know that your team understands what you need from them. But it's also the other way, as Patrice is saying, you need to understand what your team needs and wants from you. You need to be willing to listen. It reinforces for your team that you want them there and that Mm -hmm. they are and can be supported and they are secure in that environment because they're, you're allowing them the space to bring up contradicting even opinions and views. That's what gives that opportunity for growth, for change, for challenge. I remember when I was working in in my last day job, and I know you've had the same experience, Jill, where you really had to be careful of what you'd say in a meeting because you could get in big trouble for saying the wrong thing in a meeting. And I mean, there's this whole idea like the sports team model, right? If someone is underperforming or whatever, you just cut them and call up the next person from the bench. But that doesn't align if you're trying to build a culture where, you know, as we say, people are people. Every person is a person. 
And as Patrice said, I think the pandemic hopefully has started to drive that home for a lot of people. And (laughs) at the same time, for me, like things aren't changing fast enough. Change comes by overcoming obstacles. Change comes by challenging the status quo. I actually remember challenging the status quo in one of our meetings. And I got called out as it was literally told to me, stop being the devil's advocate. And basically trying to talk from the other viewpoint so that we could flesh out the plan. Yeah. And make the decision is, no, stop doing that. I'm like, but then how are we going to think about everything? Yeah. Because again, you weren't empowered to make decisions. You weren't empowered to contribute to the discussion. Whereas when you are thinking about your team in terms of the decisions that are being made and empowering people to make decisions that are within their scope of experience and within their scope of responsibility, that's when your business can become more flexible and you can start to have the resilience to being able to support your team, whether it's illness or injury or someone needs to take time off to take care of an elderly parent or stress or burnout, right? Like all of these paternity, right. All of these things that come up, if you're so rigid in your structure, then any one of those things will cause your business to crumble. And that's what strict top-down hierarchies create. Whereas when you're thinking in terms of the decisions being made, when you're structuring your team according to the visionary pyramid, you're really protecting the long-term interests of the business because you can reduce how much you're relying on just short-term quick helpers or just a pair of hands to do this or that. And you're really building something that can grow and develop and your team can develop as you go along as well, which that's a adapt. Right. So many things can change. Look at the pandemic, right? The pandemic changed so much for so many people. Many people had to pivot. And a great example of this is pre-pandemic, I will just say, but a great example of this kind of adaptability that you can get with staffing from the Visionary Pyramid comes actually from a friend of ours in full disclosure, Joe Taylor Jr. And Joe is one of the producers of our show. Hi, Joe and team. You know, for him, he's, he's currently a podcast producer, right? And a certified user experience consultant. The company that he runs with his wife, though, it pivoted from being a full service digital content agency into focusing on just three things. And he was able to do that and be adaptive because he staffed with the Visionary Pyramid in mind. The first few years of our company, we competed with much larger digital agencies by saying yes to every opportunity that came our way, and then scrambling to fill the gaps in on our team. We grew a lot of revenue that way, but we churned through contractors and team members because we couldn't project a long-term vision for the business. And just as we started addressing some of those underlying issues, we experienced a crisis that forced us to rethink our whole business model. We pared down our offerings to just the three things we love to spend time doing, And we learned to say no to everything else. And because we already had the right people in the right roles to carry out that new model, we survived. I'll admit, as someone who spent much of my life as a people pleaser, saying no to prospective clients who wanted to spend six figures on a single project is a very scary thing. And yet, once we found our focus and staffed our business so that we have a key person who owns each one of those core offerings, We hit our stride, 
as my wife and I have been coaching and leading our team, we've also been very transparent about our plans and ensuring that they align with how our team members talk about wanting to grow their careers. And it's been delightful for me to have professional development conversations that don't involve talking about how the needs of the business diverge from our team members' own paths. Instead, we've been able to lock in and invest in our team's training and development, knowing that we're aligned with what our team wants and what our clients want. Everyone on our team pitches in to help everyone else, especially if someone's on vacation or if they're out sick, but nobody's having to scramble for coverage. And as we enter year 10 of running our own company, our profits are higher than they've ever been, our client satisfaction ratings are higher than they've ever been, and we're working probably fewer than half the number of hours as a team of four than we were as a team of eight. And so that piece right there, this idea of addressing, as he said, those underlying issues and then experiencing that crisis allowed them to just move and adapt and pivot. They could move away from where they had been previously in more of a traditional kind of hierarchical setup into something that allowed the whole team to feel comfortable in challenging what for them had been their status quo, which was just saying yes to everyone, even if they weren't the right fit. Mm -hmm. And that takes us back to what we talked about a couple of episodes about how culture isn't just what happens inside your business. It's also the clients that you attract and, and really how you go about the whole day to day. And Joe was talking about that from the perspective of a crisis hit and forced them to really lean into the pyramid and take advantage of the flexibility that it provided. Patrice talked about that in terms of being able to really be there for her team with the changes that were going on with things that were coming up. And Rachel, I think if we go back to what Rachel was talking about with that idea of she had this base of support, what comes up for me is that then freed her up to be the leader and be the business, you know, visionary that she wanted to be. And Joe talked about that as well and how making this shift has really taken him full circle in being able to be that visionary as well. So I don't know if you noticed there, Jill, the three things that Joe mentioned at the end, the profits are higher than they've ever been. The client satisfaction ratings are higher than they've ever been. And the team is working less than they've ever been. Tell me that doesn't sound like profit results and team, aka the three structures you need to have I, a scalable business. I did notice that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? And we talked about this to start off this season about how culture is the glue that, yes, you need to have results, profit, and team in place. They need to be aligned. They need to be scalable. And yes, we talk about culture as being the intersection of profit and team. But the truth is that once you have that base level alignment, once you have profit results and team aligned, Culture is the thing that keeps them aligned as you grow because you get to move into this role of coaching and leading your team instead of fighting fires and just trying to get stuff done. Yeah, you move away from that idea of being the air traffic controller to being the one, as you said, leading the way, and then your team can follow along. And that's the other thing that I love about the Visionary Pyramid is it serves as a really great opportunity to create things like career paths, mm -hmm. right? If someone is interested in moving up and starting to make bigger decisions, it's really clear where those decisions are and what they look like. It makes for a resilient 
business, right? We we often hear about sustainable businesses, but I think that in the pursuit of sustainability, we often don't take into account when things go wrong or when challenges come. And sustainability is great, but resilience, which comes from flexibility, when paired with sustainability, that's when magic really happens. This is one of the things that when I look at clients who are able to take, they've gone through this process, they've started to align or they have aligned their staffing with the visionary pyramid and they're able to take on new projects and they don't have to hire new staff or they're able to, you know, have team take time off themselves included, right? Without Mm -hmm. things going into a tailspin, without things going into crisis mode. When you have that opportunity to have contingency plans. Someone's out ill. Someone's got, someone decided to to adopt a kid, right? Yeah. These are all great things. And you still need to be able to run the business. And that's what this sets you up to do. Yeah. And so really what I'd encourage you to do as you're listening to this is think about the decisions that are reflected in the visionary pyramid and think about how are those decisions being made in your business right now? Do you have the team support in place to be able to have your team make those decisions? If not, what needs to change to get you there? And of course, if that's something that you want to explore further, you're welcome to reach out to us. We'd love to talk with you about how we help folks figure all of that stuff out in the academy or just simply send us a message on Facebook or on Instagram and tell us all about your biggest takeaways and ahas from this episode. And then next time we'll be exploring about how your values and living those through your business can impact your priority setting. And we'll be talking to some of the business owners who have set their values to reset their sense of balance in the business and their personal lives. Until then, thank you so much for being here, for listening from the unceded territory of the Qualicum First Nation. I'm Brianne Dick. See you next time on the next episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey there, it's Jill. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that everything we've been talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with our clients in the Visionary CEO Academy. Our programs and masterminds are some of the most advanced business leadership opportunities out there and are designed specifically to help strategists, coaches, and other online business owners like yourself scale your business to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, by keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more information and to get started. Can't wait to see you there.